Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, a spiritual oasis for men, podcast number 224. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab globes, spin it around, boom! Not sure where you ended up, so spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, And that's where, they're, that's where we're at. And before we get started, I just want to thank everybody. Thanks so much for the donations and uh, continued re- support goes a long way to help um, our ministry we are back in the studio here man up at uh, sugarland baptist church uh, we're not pastors we're just regular guys and each of us are on our own spiritual journey we feel that uh, all men are leaders leaders in your family leaders at work leaders in your church and community but sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged so that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, our website, which is man-upspiritualoasis.com, or pray.com, we're glad that you're joining us. And we are on the No Church Answers Tour. We're so glad you're here. This is a flamethrower podcast number two in the series, and I'm telling you, you learn a lot of things when you do a podcast with people like the fellas that I'm going to introduce from the panel. Um, but also, I think you guys um, out there that are listening learn something from me. My name is Bill, and I'm the host. You learn the weasel. And what the weasel right. is <laughs> is when stuff is a little bit too uncomfortable for you, you just kind of weasel out of it. And... Uh, that's what the first flamethrower podcast was. And so I'm going to be practicing my weaseling here on podcast number two. So at this time, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our awesome uh, panel. And <clears throat> he is now a former world-class policy writer, but a current professional gambler and the producer of the show, uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, All Steve. Right, Steve. Hello. Attorney and former prosecutor. That's right. We still call him the Judge Michael Cropper. Hey, hey Mike. Hey guys. <laughs> and current corporate trainer and theologian. Kind of the... Uh, uh, He's kind of the one that put us on this in the in the. Oh, my fault! Right, right, right. It's directly in front of the flamethrower, and that is Robert Koshu. We call him the professor. My name is Bill Cox. I am basically a salesman uh, and the director of Man Up. Before I get started, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn it over to the professor. Uh, give a little more insight on flamethrower too. Yeah. So. This is our second podcast we're doing regarding the future of the church. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the future of the church, really with the focus on the culture and the way the culture is changing. And that was really kind of our focus. And I really want to take a moment. We had a lot of people talk to us and engage with us on Facebook. 
couple of questions, a lot of comments, a lot of very complimentary comments from people on Facebook. Several people asked this questions. I asked, I answered a couple of them. There were a few that wanted to engage in debate. Now, I want to address that very, very quickly. Um, I have determined, in addition to all of the bad things that I think Facebook does, read the Wall Street Journal article and be informed would be my answer to that. Um, it is not an appropriate place for us to go back and forth with debate on people, and I'm just not going to do it there. Um, you can send us a private email through the Man Up website, manupspiritualoasis.com. Oh, that's and, excellent. And we'll be happy yes. to have longer discussions there. Um, you put something out there, I'm going to answer it once, but I'm not going back and forth with you on, on our – I do a lot of our social media along with Steve – and I just wanted to address that. I do appreciate when people do that. I We like answering questions. If you hadn't noticed, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you probably should be aware we're not afraid of questions. You know, <laughs> uh, Job, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the people in the Bible that ask God and look at God and go, why, God? Right. <laughs> you know, because if we don't do that, it's not real. Now, moving on. So tonight, tonight we're going to go back into the culture stuff. But this time... We're going to talk about how the stuff we talked about in that first podcast in this series, which, by the way, there's two blog posts. Actually, there'll be three blog posts by the time you hear this podcast. And that initial podcast, I encourage you to go read the other blog post, listen to the other podcast if you have not done so prior to listening to this one. So this is my warning. If you haven't done that, please go do that before you listen to this podcast. Um, but we're going to talk about how those particular things look at church polity, how a church is run or governed, church liturgy, which is worship as an experience. How do churches worship? And, and there's a very big reason why we want to talk about that. And then some theology and doctrine. And so that's kind of where we're going to be setting up and how we're going to run with this tonight. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. This is something, as I mentioned in our last podcast when I set it up, we have danced around all of these issues um, listen to our series on the Ten Commandments. Um, we kind of drove a truck, Mack truck through the cultural wall with that one. Um, but if you really, really want to do it, these two podcasts, the idea was that we would come in and really look at what does church look like for the future. And, hey, thanks so much and for setting that up. And, I, it, honestly, I never think about these topics they're way above my pay grade but uh i'm going to now and and, and you know and i'm absolutely certain there's people out there in the audience that are the same way and uh and steve titch well, your yeah, overview great. on this um, i'll just simply say we're picking up from last two weeks ago that the the, the, the equipment was so steaming, scorchy, uh, smoking, we, we had to let things cool down. Refuel, uh, refuel the flamethrower. <laughs> and yes. The fuel gas, truck gas, had to gas come. Gas it up, gas it up. So, uh, but in line with what you're saying, yeah, why, why are we doing this? Because we believe men are leaders. We, we think there, there is a, a younger generation of men out there who are want to be involved in their church, and I think sometimes they're looking around. They look around what they they experience out in the secular world, and they 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 want to feel their church is engaging with that, understands it, and is uh, pursuing its Christian mission correctly. 
in this in this world. And, and, and that I'll leave as an overview because I think we're going to discuss that in many ways in terms of polity, in terms of like you said, liturgy and doctrine. And and uh, it's it's very topical. We're, we're going to get into things that are very topical that are literally in today's news. Excellent. Uh, Judge Michael Cropper. You would, wouldn't you? All right, folks. I'll tell you why I, I'm enjoying <laughs> why I'm enjoying these particular podcasts. Because, because it's legalese. Right, and you that's like right. That. I have to look up all the words these guys put in here, especially Robert. I'm down. It took me an hour to draw pictures and discover what politity mean. Polity meant. <laughs> Church polity meant. And then uh, and, and governance and what's the differences between them. So I have, I really I am enjoying this. Yeah. You guys may say, oh, this is small stuff to me, but not Cropper. Cropper had to look them up and uh, and 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 make himself notes on these. So anyway, so uh, what about today? My my uh, podcast intro today: churches and preachers saturate the internet and our religious television channels. Y'all know that media throughout the internet and airways provide limitless opportunities for preachers to preach the gospel that Jesus Christ saves. However, there are so many churches and ministers of the gospel which twist, dissect, and manipulate it to benefit the preachers themselves or their pocketbook. And we brushed at this in the past podcast. We may talk about that today. But today, we again go down the rabbit hole of church spinoffs and governments. Governance. Governance. i got to get Robert's word correct here. <laughs> So what is our goal? Our goal is to express how we as men may help keep our church on the straight and narrow. No matter how small or how large our influence it is, it is invaluable when we are able to help another person to know Jesus or to draw closer in his or her walk. And now, how essentially to me, this is what I think of, how we as men can influence our church members who need guidance, how we can encourage our members who have been hurt by wrong teachings, how we can explain that as long as people interpret the Word of God, there's going to be fallacies and distortions, and how we must overlook the disagreements in interpretation and capitalize on what we do agree on. And even as Christians, we must not wear our feelings on our shoulders. Bill? Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture that we have for this particular week podcast, and it's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. <coughs> church polity. How the church is governed and run day to day. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go back to the professor and let him kick this off. So a, a lot of what prompted this was a couple of things. Um, number one, everyone is aware of what's going on with the Catholic Church and what has gone on with the Catholic Church. Matter of fact, this past week, the Catholic Church um, in France, no, 330,000 mm. minors were probably abused by Catholic priests inside of France in that time frame. Um, since two, it's about 1950, yeah. which is a long yeah. time, but I figured it's yeah. about you know close to 5,000 a year yeah, for the last 70 years. years. That's a that's a and pretty Robert. You've heard of you've heard of France, but it's all over the world. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's just that latest. That, that literally just came out this week. That's why right, I put that right. one out. Um, 
two years ago, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, Houston Chronicle ran a series on the Southern Baptist Church. Um, I, I do want to kind of draw a difference between those two very quickly. So the Catholic Church, the Episcopal Church, the Lutheran Church, Methodist, they are a bishop-driven hierarchical church. So there is like when a pastor or a priest leaves a Catholic church, the church doesn't get any say-so. The bishop goes, you, John, that's your parish now. So that's kind of how their people go. Baptist churches are self-governed and self-identified. And so Baptist churches, by and large, go and form a committee. I served on our youth search committee recently. We hired a youth minister. And you, you hire a committee. You get you, they go find somebody and bring that person in, and we run back. Headhunters, yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. This is, it's a very it's yeah. a local for those who are. Who it's are all not local in the control. Congregational tr- tradition, yes. It's it, the church is really literally bottom up. Yeah. Um. It's we hire our, uh, we're we're run like a small organization. There is a there is a board. Yep. Uh. There, which which really is the management of the church, and the pastor is hired by a search committee and it, it and and manages that along with the the rest right. of the staff uh there's a controller there there the the uh the pastor in the pastor is essentially an employee um and then the there's church, always yeah. some dynamic tensions about mm-hmm. that in personalities and that's an interesting yeah. point oh, yeah, to continue yeah. to discover but but that's the key difference right and 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 as you say as we, what, what we're going to win i'm going to jump at that yeah. the prop the problem with what was going on in the Baptist churches is that these commit these search committees and these staff members were when they'd get a call from another search committee and say, well, Pastor Jones, uh, he's he's we're we're interested in looking at him here. We, we're interested in issuing a call. When somebody the guy on the other end of the phone knew that Pastor Jones worked there and was a molester didn't say anything yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't oh, an he's organiz- available yeah yes, yeah yeah it, it wasn't yeah. an organizational mm-hmm. you know, there, there wasn't was an organizational there, there was a problem in school districts too yes. yeah. still oh, yes, yes, it was. Was. so That's while right. we're talking about religious experience was. i was on school board in a, in a in a town and yes they turned their head whenever an individual was looked at to be hired on the resume they didn't put the the mm-hmm. uh, complaints and the things that it was that, kind of a past yeah. the trash yeah. kind so of. so it's both political yeah. and and church yes. and, 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 and religious uh, and this is this is what the the chronicle but how prevalent that silence was yeah and that was yep. pure but go ahead yeah no no it, but, but I wanted to make sure we knew the other part of this is is so the mainline denominations Lutherans Presbyterians Episcopalians Baptists to a certain extent. They're the ones who actually dropped the most during this time. Independent churches are the ones that grew. However, they had their own. Mike kind of mentioned, and I loved it. I wrote it down. This was amazing, that they will twist, manipulate, and Mm -hmm. dissect. And I love that. But these independent churches could do it. And they gained some of the worst bad press that you saw. If you go look, and, and we don't recommend a lot of podcasts on our show. We'll talk about I do a podcast with a friend of mine periodically. It's alternate history and some history. I may mention it. But I will encourage every one of our listeners to go listen to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mars Hill was a... Um, Seattle-based. Yeah, right? Seattle-based 
independent, nominal Baptist church. He was really more Reformed theology, run by a pastor named Mark Driscoll. And he epitomized a group of ministers whose charisma have has outpaced their character. Okay. <laughs> now, okay, now just... I saw that comment, and I'm loaded for bear on this go, one. Go, go. <laughs> that <laughs> has been a change in society, and it was started by Dale Carnegie. Essentially, it was always character up until then, until you had to learn how to win friends and influence people. Yep. <laughs> and the, the time when the United States crossed over into charisma, the... Uh, versus character it can be defined as the debate between Nixon and Kennedy because on the radio Nixon clobbered him on TV Kennedy stomped him charisma at that point in time became more important and more pursued than character as a norm in American society. Yeah, but Nixon won. His character was... No. Right. <laughs> not then. Not in 1960, but I think... Point taken, Bill. Point taken, Bill. Um, <laughs> well, that's except good. I wouldn't and, exactly and call Nixon the most... But, but you're right. There's no question about Kennedy's charisma carried that debate. And it's, it really it's worked in yeah. politics ever yeah. since. Ever since. Absolutely. Well, and, and I, compare it to, I compare it to Jack Welch. Jack Welch, I'm I'm anathema at most business schools because Jack Welch Jack Welch was the business leader that convinced everybody that your stock price was more important than your revenues and everything else. It was all about your stock price on a daily basis. And and it's the same thing. It's about what's going on right now. And and these these guys, their charisma outstripped it and they would look at things like Driscoll had 23 congregations across the United States and he started out good and had some good things but as he grew more and more powerful it turned more into him it really became more about a cult of personality brand. well it was a cult of personality but it was also about the brand and and that'll kind of circle us back a little bit to the Catholics and then really the well, Southern Baptists. Actually, yeah, yeah because the, I, let's keep this in the polity aspect. Yes. How does a church nip mm -hmm. this in the bud? And this is a particular problem in Protestant churches because, as we talked yep. about, Catholics, I mean, there is the, the, and we can get back to it, the whole the self sexual issue, but there's really no ability for an individual monsignor or, or parish priest to catapult himself right. into the into to make himself a fixture of personality mm -hmm. the way a good Protestant preacher can, and a Protestant po Protestant pastors go out and 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 as we're saying, it's not necessarily the 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 church committee; it's the pastor who can create a mega church. Right. Well, it's and, it's and in how, the congregation. But, but but how do we? Right. But but yeah. So so back to my question here is. Mars Hill being a great example. How do you nip this thing in the bud? If you're if you're a Protestant church, even a fairly large Protestant church, and you have a you know, when does a very good pastor, a very you know, a, a pastor who can bring in people, mm -hmm. become when the, you know, 
what are the signs? Maybe maybe this no. is well, what are it, the signs that it's going to become all it, about him if as it, opposed to all about when you Christ? start seeing it becomes about him. The to me the other thing, and I think this was something is has they started working through things, they started changing the bylaws mm-hmm. to where it was more favorable to him. And so it's one of those I think you have to kind of watch. And this this kind of leads down the road where we were. So the Southern Baptist Convention, so they send what's called messengers, read delegates, that vote on things at an annual meeting that things happen at. That group also puts forth an executive committee. Last year at the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention, the messengers voted on a resolution that in effect said, we have to come clean about this as an organization and it is imperative that we do that. The executive committee met, issued a statement a couple of weeks ago, and Twitter had a meltdown because the executive committee basically voted, Mike, you'll find this interesting, Mm -hmm. they did not want to waive attorney-client privilege so that they could hide all of the details so that and, and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was in essence, we have to protect the institution and the brand that's, of that's the Southern Baptist that's Convention. That's in essence they were doing. Yeah. They denied. They said, oh, this is all about liability. Mm-hmm. They couched it in legal terms. Yeah. No, no offense. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but, fine. but in it's fact, fine. The, fine. The, chair, the chairman of the, 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 the SBC had an independent task force. The chairman called them out on that. Directly, yeah. Uh, that this is they, this they are they are putting the brand, the brand, and, and he used that word, which is so secular, which is what they talk about on Madison Avenue. <laughs> Let's pretend you know you hear it in you hear it in yeah. It's not always a bad thing. We talk about it in Man Up. You talk about protecting the brand, protecting the Coca Cola name, protecting our right. SBC name, um, and at the expense of tens, hundreds of thousands of victims. Mm-hmm. Who, who, and, 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 and I want to throw this out while I have the mic. What, what concerns me even more and should concern everyone is, is that, that, as you pointed out, the executive committee really serves at the pleasure yep. of the congregation. That, that is exactly how these, it works. These it's men. Supposed to. These, <laughs> yes. This, it's this, supposed is, this to. was That's so correct. evil, so, so yeah. repulsive yeah. to any man on the street, Baptist or not. But this group of men, which I think are about 75, and I won't say, they, they, I'm, I'm going to make a jump here because the way the SBC treats women, I doubt there are any women on that panel, but you can write in. Nonetheless, how can you be so out of touch to vote against this investigation? And, you know, oh, and, no. and, finally, and finally, that's how can you be so out of touch that you're going to move to protect uh, these protect these molesters, protect these predators. When all your congregation, in throughout the South, are screaming at this, and 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 I mean that, and and I think that is the problem. And I'm going to go there and say uh-huh. the and I and I love bragging on the SBC because we're not SBC. As I keep saying, we're not SBC. <laughs> we're not. And, and, and however, not, however, but I will is, tell you this: we started in the SBC. It is church. it is run by a bunch of old men. Yep. Who live like it's the 1950s. And that's the point. I think we come back to this polity. Churches need to be run as if this were 2020. Well, not, it, not as if the guy comes home, not that this is kind of some kind of Ozzie and Harriet 
bizarre world where everybody is white, comes home from work, the wife has a drink in a, in, well, not in a Baptist church, but has a has a glass nice of iced tea. It's a glass of iced tea, tea. And, a, and a roast in the oven. And, you know, there's two pearls. kids. She got to have her and pearls. pearls. You you're, you're, you're got it. You got the picture, folks. Uh, but it, but, 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 no, but, but that's the world <laughs> but, these guys live but, in. Well, and, and, and let's take it beyond the Baptist for a moment. Because mm-hmm. that was part of the problem with Mars Hill. They were going to the brand. Mm-hmm. It became, and, and maybe that is our answer. Mm-hmm. Because, the and, and the truth of it is, at the end of the day, you know, Jesus started talking about Matthew 5.24. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And I think the problem is, and the Jewish church did this back in Jesus' day, when it becomes more about the brand than about the message, then that, I think, is when you are in trouble. And I think that's your warning sign to look for. And excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is Man Up. Podcast number 224. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow@manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 224. The flamethrowers out. Uh, can't say that I totally agree with all that what was said in the last segment, but let's see <laughs> what this next. Let's see what <laughs> happens in this next segment. See if I agree with any of this. Uh, gonna go ahead and go to Koshu first. Let, let me interrupt <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Um, the 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 blue line a phrase that's in our directive or show purpose charisma outpaced their character uh, just w- want to say something and this is why more than likely and y'all can come on comment on it very quickly the people were afraid they protected in this case mark driscoll they protect him because they were afraid the church would would character would suffer uh, yeah uh, implode well, right the, implode the, the, if, the if they got rid of him right it's producing fruit if it's producing this much fruit, because they were growing like gangbusters. Right. And they so, left bodies in their wake, though. And so what happened was they did finally force him out, and the church imploded. Yep. Am I correct? That is, is that totally right? correct. So what they were doing is they're trying to protect the success of the church, right? Yep. To any degree, whatever it took to do it, right? And that was just a comment. I thought no, no, no. And, and I think that plays the, into our the, next the topic. The church implode yeah. as an you know as an organization as Mars yes. Hill, but did it did were there still believers out there who went to other churches? There were, but there that's the, correct. The understanding I have from the research I've done, and I have done, 
I've done a little bit because of the Exvangelical group. That group in particular cites Mars Hill as they, they are the, Mars Hill is the city on a hill for them as their mm-hmm. example of a bad church. They left a lot of bodies in their wake. Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, and, and I think that there, there are a lot of people that have dropped the church and dropped, thrown the baby out with the bathwater, as it were, because of that. So okay, new baby, new bathwater. <laughs> All right, but, but and, and it's funny because the charisma without character is going to kind of flow into this, actually, because of the subject. So liturgy. So if you look at me and go, my church doesn't have a liturgy because we're not Catholic. I'm going to tell you, you're lying. Well, to me. tell us what liturgy is. <laughs> liturgy is <laughs> simply nothing more than your order of worship or what you do. And every church has a liturgy. Our church, I can tell you right now, if we're not having a baptism. We sing two hymns, someone prays, we stand and greet each other, we finish with two more hymns, there's a choir special, uh, we read some scripture somewhere in there as a group, either responsibly or as a group. The pastor preaches a sermon, we sing an invitation, altar call, invite to join or confess or do what you need to do, we collect our offering, we have announcements, and we close with the song. Am I about right? Bill, Bill's on our production staff. That's about every week. It's basically a format. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right. It's yeah. a, a yeah. format yeah. format for a show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You got me cornered exactly. there. Exactly. And, and, and so the problem is becoming, this is why we want to talk about it is, is I know people that have said, you guys aren't contemporary Christian. I will not visit your church. Because you do not have a contemporary service. worship service. Yeah. And there is more to a contemporary worship service, by the way, for those of you wondering, than just playing contemporary music. I consider our church a blend because we do a blend of new music and classic hymns. It's actually one of the reasons why my family is at this church. Okay, now you're 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 barking up the tree now. Right. And I, I've got flamethrower aimed right at you. <laughs> now, in this particular church, uh, we have tried a uh, <clears throat> um, a contemporary service, mm-hmm. and what happened was uh, we were doing it on Friday night, and we essentially got the same people that were coming here Sunday on Sunday yep. on, on Sunday morning. And because they were here on Friday night, we were having lower attendance Sunday morning on Sunday morning. And you're absolutely correct; it's different music. Then music is a different style of preaching as well, and you're trying to reach people differently. Yep. However, so what our this church is, has done, if you'll notice, they include one or two contemporary songs yep. in a service, but then they'll also bring in a, the symphony to to play the highbrow stuff too. So it, they kind of work it so you have a little a little bit of both. Does that serve? I'm going to throw out in, in the question. I mean, to, to, to right. can you now? It because because you know la- <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the gay issue. Other than if you think the gay issue causes problems in the church, talk about changing your liturgy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> but boy, boy, that that gets people even more <laughs> more hot and bothered. Right. But but to to and and so you have this compromise, which which kind of okay, they'll be which is exactly what you said it is, but. Let's let's kind of talk about how how worship should should evolve. Yeah, and I'm so, not saying I'm, and I know there are there, there are 
people who value the hymns are beautiful. I mean, how great thou art, and when they're done well, they can be very stirring. Um, if done well, contemporary music can be great. I mean, it's just like everything else. I think it. it I think it resonates with different, um, with different worshippers, and and so you're. You've got right now. You could call it a blended service. You could you could only call only call it uh, something for everyone. Now I think we still have very good church service at, at, yeah, at we, Sugarland we, Baptist. We I very much like our like like I said um, I'm I like the contemporary music, but is but that, I like the hymns. Let, too. But let me ask you, let me make more positive. Is that what we're doing really difficult to pull off? But you know we're talking to a lot of people with other churches who maybe you know maybe either saying we're doing something that's too old and it's not really appealing i, I don't I, i'll come but i come because i i really want to go with my family but i really wish i could get something more out of this or i mean i'm asking i'm asking is if, yeah. if what we do is really a i think that's the responsibility of the believer find yeah. what is going to minister to you this is a consistent uh, religious experience but, but, that you have but, the opportunity to. And so vast majority of people that are believers, it's a mosaic of input that they I, have. I understand, but I see, that's I think we, we, where, where we want to go as leaders. We don't, we don't want to be the church that says, if you don't like our, if you don't like our service, go somewhere else. Because you don't, you you want to keep people coming um, to church. Our former pastor actually told people that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I know he did. <laughs> but it's, I'm, I'm saying, but I, I, I all in all, I'll say I know, I know he's a very respect. He was a respected fellow. He's, his memory remains respected. Nonetheless, I I don't think that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to help churches and help ourselves understand how we can take a service and make it contemporary without turning it into show business well and and i think that's turning it into well, and, go ahead and, and explain mike, contemporary talk, yes talk yeah, let, let me talk a little bit yeah uh, a contemporary yeah, now i've visited mike's a musician so yeah. i'm like <laughs> <laughs> right when I, I i divorced and right before I came to this church i went to a number of churches and there were light shows on the stage i mean they turned out the lights they turned on the laser the laser shows right guys y'all have been there i know oh, you yeah. have and 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 boy i mean they're trying their best to attract young people and i think you have to have a blend of both first of all i came in when i was 20 21 years old i guess to to know the lord and and uh, uh i i did not like the old hymns i mentioned this before in the podcast i didn't until i got older as steve said as you get older you tend to appreciate many things you listen to the words the songs you listen to the music itself and you really can worship with those old hymns that maybe you thought were archaic whenever you were in your teens or in your 20s right so what do i think about i think you have to blend the music and i think you have to reach the people and then there are just some people who aren't going to be happy no matter what you do i want to follow up what you're saying because i think yeah. you're you you've you've got the right approach you you the 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 old hymns become kind of an acquired taste now now i'm gonna i'm gonna yes. call out some believers here i don't think uh, because we have, people who are older than us grew up in churches where they sang these hymns every every Sunday. So when they come mm -hmm. and hear them, they get a very warm feeling yep. of being of 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 of, of in, in, and it's not wrong. I'm going to say this: it's not wrong, but that's not the only reason you should be there. I think more if you, I think more if you if you come to appreciate the hymns for what they what they say, what the message is. 
and, and can engage with that, that's great. If you come out of a service and say, oh, I like that hymn because it reminded me of the days when I was six years old, that's, that's not a, what that hymn's trying to do. That's a warm gonna, and fuzzy. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that, <laughs> that, no. that's a feeling. And, 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 and I mean, I, it's a very yeah. dicey, and I know I'm not going to upset some people, but I think, I, I, and, and well, there, there it is. I, again, it's coming, why, why, are you in ser- why are you in the service and what are you getting out of the worship? Right, and and I think it comes down to okay. so Soren Kierkegaard, um, mm-hmm. so Danish philosopher theologian, and he wrote this, and I included it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put together a diagram and put it out there. So most people, what they think worship mm-hmm. is, is the is God is prompting the preacher, and I'm gonna use the preacher to mean the people on stage, so the music leader, all of that. God is prompting the preacher who prompts the congregation is the audience, okay? Mm -hmm. The reality of what worship is supposed to be in Isaiah 111, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offering of rams, of the fat, of fed beast. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs of goats or of goats. If you're going through, and the Jewish religion had gotten to the point by Isaiah where it was pretty much just going through the motions. Oh, you send, go get your dove, <laughs> you know, throw it on. And that's what we end up with. Kierkegaard says that the reality of it is the, the, the purpose of the preacher, those on stage, is to prompt the congregation who is performing for God as the audience. And I think that is our, that's the way we have to think about worship. I think that is... That is literally the key to worship, is to figure out the people on the stage, and and this is where, and and I'm going to be the first to admit, this is where the millennial evangelical crowd has a point, because I was part of the youth group guys that said, okay, we need the rock music, we got to have the light show, we got to have, you know, all of that, because that's what they attract. That's what's going to bring them in. And we created a culture where worship wasn't worship worship was entertainment and if you're not entertaining you're not worshiping and this is something this isn't going to get fixed I think first of all we're not going to fix it tonight for sure on the podcast but it's not going to get fixed overnight either this is going to require a complete from men's perspective it's going to require a complete 180 on our thought process in realizing that we're worshiping for God yeah, God is our audience. That's who we're praying to. That's who we're. We're not singing to the singer's not singing to us. He's singing to God. I think it. I think it yeah. goes. Our, our, yeah. I think it goes much deeper than that. Bill brought this up earlier. I think you should prep yourself to worship before you ever get to church. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. After all, what is it? Does the orchestra come to church and practice while they're playing for the the people? Or do they practice and know their music when they get up before the congregation and play? The same yep. thing with the choir and everybody else. You don't come to church expecting the minister to make you worship God and get ready. You prepare your mind, if nothing yep. else, on the way to church in the car saying, yep. Lord, I'm looking forward to meeting you with you. I'm looking forward to glorifying you. I'm looking forward to partaking or in, in enjoying the benefit of my brothers and sisters in the congregation help me to do that. Help me to clear yeah. my mind. 
Well, right. and, and, we're good. and let me let me throw in, and I'm go, I'm going to throw something out. So I had two I had two boys growing up who were boy in every sense of the word boy, and drove me and my wife nuts when they were young. They both grown into very good young men. Very happy about them. But I'm going to give. We tried this a few times, and it actually did help. Once we got through the chaos of getting to the car, yep. and everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you have children, <laughs> Steve's over there going, "Oh yeah." <laughs> What we did a few times, we did it. We didn't do it a lot. We didn't do it as often as we really should have. Is before, well, in, okay, in Texas, I started the car because you know it's like 150 degrees outside at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Start the car, <laughs> turn the radio off, and say, "All right, we're going to sit here, and no one's going to say a word, and I want everybody to just pray for a moment, and I'm going to count to 30, and then we're going to drive off, and do that so that, as you said, Mike, you can prepare yourself." Because if you don't, all that chaos of Sunday morning of two kids in the you bath and I told yeah. you not to wear those shoes and, oh, my God, go change those pants right now. And, no, you have to come with us this Sunday. I mean, all of that will filter into your worship Absolutely. experience. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go ahead and get ready to take our second break. But before we do, I just want to throw in uh, one thing. As being a member of the tech team on Sugarland Baptist, it's a – large church uh people come in and the service means different things to different people i've seen the same song make someone just giddy with joy and bring tears to another person's absolutely uh, another it's person's eye. it's a religious experience and i mm -hmm. always like to uh refer to the corporate worship service is kind of like religious tea. If you're too prideful, it'll humble you. If you are depressed, it will comfort you. So it'll bring you back to normal. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break. This is Man Up, podcast number 224. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. If there's anything that is not burnt uh, from the Flamethrower podcast, number one last week and through two segments of the podcast this week, we're going to burn it now. Um, this is uh, topic number three. I'm going to turn it back over to the professor. So this last one is doctrine and theology. And I, I'm just going to start right out by saying from the beginning – if you want to know what Man Up Believes, go read what Man Up Believes <laughs> on our website, manupspiritualoasis.com. We are a Christian podcast. We believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ and salvation through him, period, end of discussion. Now, 
everything after that <laughs> is where fun and debate and all that comes comes in. So this one is coming up. So I, I put in our notes Reformed Theology, and I'm going to tell you what I mean by that very quickly. So in the theological world, there are two schools of thought. Reformed Theology is the new name for Calvinism because no one wants to be Calvinist because that's bad. And so they have adopted the word, well, we're, we're not Calvinist, we're Reformed. And then there's the other theological concept called Arminianism. All right, so there's a lot of technical theology in here, but here's kind of the baseline of it. So Calvinists believe God elects those who he serves, and only the elect are going to be chosen by God. Now, God's offer of salvation, it, it involves God's omnipotence as far as he knows who's going to choose, basically. Armenianism believes that the election thing applies after you have chosen to God because then at that point God elects you and brings you to himself. Now, if anybody's deep into theology, you want to talk, talk about that, send me an email on the other. I'll pull out all my theological text and we can talk about it. That's, that's like, why they call him the professor. Not on Facebook. Not on Facebook. Man-of-spiritualoasis.com. That is like a super high level. And yes, there are lots below that. Okay. So from that to what's called complementarianism, which is the belief that while that men and women are fundamentally different, which we believe in this podcast. I would but, think so. But, boy, there is fundamental differences. But complementarianism <laughs> takes it to another level because they say that only women should be, should be the primary caregivers, not men, and men should be go raise the money. And I love Steve Note, cook dinner on an indoor stove. Because <laughs> right. Steve knows me well enough to go, yeah. but I cook all the time, dude. <laughs> right. And it's like, no, 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 not with fire, on an indoor stove. But, but it, it's the, so one of the deals with Martell, we talked about it earlier, is he, he literally, if, his, if he had a pastor, Ed, that pastor's wife was working because, hey, they were in Seattle. Seattle ain't cheap to live in. You know, first of all, every cup of coffee is like six bucks for some stupid reason. But they managed to export it's that. It's getting that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, boy, didn't they? Didn't they? But, but they, he would tell, well, you need to figure out well, your, your wife doesn't need to be working. She needs to be home taking care of you and cooking and, you know, all of that. And, and it, so there's that. Then there's, all the other stuff. What's the role of women in a 21st century church? I have been at churches where outside of potentially naming them the children's or preschool director, and that would have been their title, by the way, that would have been the only role a woman would, would have hired. Since I have been here, we've had one, two, two women in youth ministry. I was trying to think if it was a third, but we just had two women in youth ministry. Um, we interviewed, we had about a 50-50 split between women and men this time when we interviewed. I'll, I will freely admit that when we hired and we settled on what well, I we, thought was got, the best candidate. We, we, we okay. have a minister of missions who is, we have a, um, our children's minister, and that is her title, mm -hmm. is associate pastor. And, and she preaches. And, yeah, and on a regular rotation with the other yeah, preachers. Yeah, absolutely. The other, the other, absolutely. The other and so, you know, so what, what are those roles? You know, there are churches who will not have women deacons 
We have women deacons. <laughs> that, that always, Can always churches afford to just keep these people out of ministry in these days? They, they try. <laughs> they try. And, 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 but, but, that, but all of that feels into this damage and things that go on. And St- Steve brought up, too, because, and, and I think this is the question, maybe this is where we go. Why do people feel like they have to shoehorn in, shoehorn in, get my phrase right here, what they want through their theology. It's not testing our beliefs against Scripture. No, it's testing our it's beliefs test, about what the culture it's testing. It's <laughs> testing our culture. It's, it's, te- yeah, it's, it's basically, I want to be conservative, so I'm going to look in the Bible for everything that justifies my position. And, and then, yeah, and you can find stuff. I'm not saying you're going you're gonna to find stuff that... that Promotes oh, you can find anything you want if you go. Hey, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm an attorney. You know, That's what I, I did when all we the talk, time. When we talk about the things, but I'm going to ignore <laughs> those other things. And 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 when you get into some aspects of you know of of really you know these, this, the granular doctrine that the, that 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 some some denominations have. That's what they're doing. We're gonna we're gonna find a a passage of Paul and place that above fourteen other scriptures. Throughout the Bible, well, yeah, yeah. That, women can't be preacher, but we'll ignore that whole thing not, about Aquila and not the prophet. Yeah, not mm-hmm. to mention, you know, Greek context. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, let's read this from a from a 1935 uh, perspective. The the solution to this is is quite simple, and it's the way my wife uh, handles hiring at her. Uh, she's an interior designer, and we're a, we have a contracting company. We hire attitude, not aptitude. And when you hire someone, especially in a church, that has a good heart and they have a great attitude, you can train them the aptitude. The problem with uh, hiring someone that has aptitude, because as soon as they become comfortable, they'll start telling you what you are doing wrong and make those defining lines between your doctrine and what is the right doctrine. When I don't honestly know if there is anything that is absolutely right and what is necessarily I, I think wrong. I, I think there are right and wrong things. There are definitely, I mean, the acceptance of Christ, Christ's lordship, Christ's right. salvation, those things, but, but I think in... Everybody wants to think there's 500 things that are. They want to get the man- and they get stuck in the minutia. And in reality, it's about 30. We've talked about in this one. We've talked about Pharisees and legalism. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, and and the minute and here's the the problem is, if you talk and and professor, I'm going to put this question. I'm putting the flamethrower. Actually, the statement right at you again because you're you're a talent developer, mm-hmm. and the vast majority there's what what five stages you start as a uh, uh, novice and then you become competent right. proficient and then something well, and then he, expert right. or, or there's right. like five there's yeah. like five stages right. Right. the vast majority of people in religion never get up to expert okay the, the they vast become, majority they, they of people they get up in religion maybe competent really and then, most most people stay Halfway between novice and competent. 
Exactly. It okay. Is about okay. where and and, the, and, and it and, and part of that is because and, and this is it, it's because a for a very long time and this is this kind of plays into some of what's going on now. The American church was cultural as much as religious. And I knew places in Texas where if you did not go to church, you still woke up, yeah. showered, put your suit on, because you know back then you wore a suit, and we went to dinner, out to dinner with your family, and oh yeah, yeah, we, we were late, we were sitting on the back row. Because you didn't want people to know you weren't at church. But it's a cultural thing, and I think when we did that, people believed that they were Christians and believers simply because they went. They, yeah, because they didn't shop on Sundays. Yeah. But the, the church responds to the culture, and the church sometimes got to challenge the culture. We've been talking about that for two weeks. If we're raising our kids right, Bill, they're going to be the ones who come up and question the doctrines we hold. Yeah, and I no think that's, question about that's, it. That, and, I'm, and notice I say, I'm saying we raise them right in the church. When they, when, they, when, when they come up, they have, they have been trained well when they challenge you and st- on Scripture. And, you know, you, 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 not, not just, oh, you know, the, the ex-evangelical approach. Oh, you're all, you know, I, yeah. I can't. Yeah, because that, that, that's um, when their, their answer um, is, it's all bad, throw yes, it all out. Yeah, but, right. so, but if they can come back, and, and that's, and, and we've got to listen to this. Yes, yes, there are older people in the church. They're much wiser. I'm not saying they're wrong, but everybody filters their interpretations of the scripture through their own experience through the way they grew up through their through their own cultures and that 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 colors their the belief I'll, I'll throw this one out in in terms of in terms of looking at everything we've talked about the so-called protestant work ethic the idea of now, now the value is good. We really, you know, work, it's, work, it's is, good. work, is, work good. is good. Work is good. We are, you know, we can go back. Adam and Eve were given work in the Garden of Eden, but after the fall, work became not so good. So, but when when the the machine when when the industrial age came around in America, which 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 coincided with this great you know awakening of the of the eighteen of the nineteenth century. Um, the Protestant work ethic was used to justify working in a factory ten hours a day. Yep. And you know the 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 the, the boss, the the sheriff. Oh yeah, he was a God fearing Christian, and he was you know following the laws. But so it was, it was not about fulfillment in work. It was about serving the system, and that's the way doctrine can 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 be you know molded or or brought to bear into into something that's not necessarily true. Christian. Now, true, where I'm going story. with this... Sunday is school that, started because <laughs> that was the one-day factory workers were off. Yes, well, and it was a and, school and, to teach those um, people. Yeah. And, and, not, and, and now we... Now, that's, those days are gone. But now we're dealing with new... With, with new situations. Not necessarily bad situations, but new situations. But we can bring up the fact is, really, guys... you. Our children, our, our sons are not, they may hit the jackpot and be able to work while their wife doesn't. But realistically, raising them to believe they're going to get into a marriage with a wife who's going to stay home and be docile is setting them up for marriage failure. Really, they're not going to find 
a, 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 a good spouse like that, a good supportive spouse in this day and age. And I'm not, I, I think all, all four of us here believe, I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing to convince you, but I still think there's a vein of, of, of church doctrine and polity, all of this wrapped up that, that well, deep down believes these days are going to come back well, somehow. And, 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 and let me tell you, and, and they're going to lose that their was part of the That was part of the causticness in Mars Hill because they literally preached that and believed mm-hmm. that. that and, and here's where it becomes toxic is they were preaching that if your wife was having to work, you weren't doing enough as a man to make and that, sure. And, that's, and that, We're getting and, to the point where we really should talk because... Yeah. Go on, go on about yeah. that because that is that's pretty toxic, as you said. Oh, that and that is not that, what this podcast is about. There's a lot. You'll go oh, around yeah. the dial. You'll find, you'll find Christian men's groups who are preaching that. Yeah, and oh, yeah. and Absolutely. and and I will gladly debate one of those those on the on this but on this podcast. But that's totally unrealistic. I mean, well, we it, can it, almost it, laugh at it, that it, idea. It, it, it's a. It's unrealistic, <laughs> and b. There is. There is also, and I shared an article about colleges, mm-hmm. and the number of men in college dropped by like 50%. Mm-hmm. And Steve threw out, and I agree, there are a lot of guys that looked at the expense of college and, and went, I'm paying this and I get this at the end. What's the point? Mm-hmm. But I think there's a second part of that that also, is, I think there's a long-term issue being created because I'm looking around right now, <laughs> jobs that I, a job that I've been doing for 20-something years there are literally companies that would not interview me because I don't have a master's degree, despite the fact that mm-hmm. I've been doing exactly what they want for 20-something mm-hmm. years. You know, and it's like, y'all are insane. <laughs> so how, how did we, I, I, this is really simple question, and you guys probably know it back no, and I'm, forth, but how, where, where did the concept come up that women should stay home and have children? Now, I'm, before, before you answer it, I'm going to remind you, we have several examples of the women who provided money for Jesus when he was ministering, right? I don't to answer your question. The lady of of the purple, whenever Paul Paul taught and uh, brought the gospel to Greece, remember that? And Lydia provided money and got Paul to stay there. There are many examples in the Bible where the women were wealthy and they did not stay home and just have children. It's, so, it's so totally American culture, and it's rooted. It's, it's rooted to some cases in the in the agrarian nature because you know men had to go, men had to do the heavy work, women had. But but it was it was not. I mean, you. you, you so we formed a doctrine in America. It was not yeah. some okay, okay. glorious domestic bit. It, it was it was tough being a woman in the. 18th and 19th century. Oh yeah. Uh, you didn't. You didn't. And that that carried that that idea carried over. But but yes, I see. it's a total cultural construct that okay. probably never really truly existed no. on a grand scale. Well, it, I mean, there was, was more apparent in the 50s. Yes. In in the night after World War II, when the baby boom generation was growing mm. up, we wrapped the American flag around our theology. And that's really, to me, that's when it really became pushed. That, mm-hmm. You know that that the wife was going to be there to take care of. And and I'll be honest, I'm gonna I'm gonna I am gonna throw this out there. If you are a guy, if you are a family, and you can figure out a way for one spouse, notice how I said mm-hmm. that, 
to one, stay oh. home to take care of your fam to do the family things mm -hmm. that's probably a pretty good idea but i don't think you need to guilt yourself into you know well oh my god yeah. neither one of us can do it no you figure it out and and it's not some christian command no either. it's not <laughs> it's not it's a it is a it is a when i look at it it is a it is a way to do things that makes sense because the kids got to get to school. They got to get to whatever else they're doing, and if one of you can figure out a way to make that happen, you're you know, blessed. And you are do, blessed if yeah. you have that kind yeah. of household. You should be. There's gratitude there, but you are you are blessed in not not that God approves yeah. in that well, way. And, you are and blessed that, in that you are blessed. In, uh, you are. I'll you throw are out fortunate. today. Maybe you figure a way for one of y'all to be gift. be a remote worker. Yes, yes, <laughs> and now and people as we're the remote workers. We've talked about this. People are learning. How valuable that family time is. Yep. Right. And with that, we're getting down to the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, woo! Telling you what, I'm still smoldering. Anyway, going to get a, go around the room one final time, get some last comments. And uh, you guys out there, notice how I weasel on this one. Uh, Michael Cropper, going to start with you. Yeah, we've been through a lot today, folks. Um, we could keep going, right? There's a, there's a oh, yeah. lot yeah. more we could talk about. Um, governance, polity, um, liturgy, um, gosh darn, our, our ethics of, of family members, uh, which now I have, I, have, I have learned that that it's an American heritage or American creation that the woman should stay home from work. And I, I remember my dad wanting my mother to stay home from work and we just did not have much money. He was a, um, a, a postal worker, and um, and she went out and said, "I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to teach school." And she did. So then we had more things in the house, and she gave more things to us. There were two boys in my family, and I can remember that so clearly that you got what you guys have expressed about uh, the difficulty of just having one wage earner if they're at the average salary, uh, American salary that people work at today and make money at an uh, uh, average salary. Anyway, you almost have to have two people working in the family. Folks, uh, I can think of two situations immediately. Uh, my, my youngest daughter uh, w wants to get married and, and the guy she wants to marry, they've been together for four to five years now. And he wants to stay home. He wants her to have children, and he wants to stay home and raise the children. <laughs> Tell the truth, honest, honest truth. And my daughter's all for it. And uh, I, I, I made a comment to the guys. Um, I think my my daughter's a teacher, and when she got a master's degree, it, it, I think she was making sixty thousand a year, folks. And her her salary went up a big two thousand for the year getting a master's degree but yet it costs <laughs> much more than that and you guys can i know y'all can share boy there's all kinds uh, of degree similar examples to that Before that teachers inflation. do not get a benefit for having a master or phd unless they move up in administration or their position as department heads now the second person i can tell you is uh, is my fiance patricia um her her son has been has done real well he went in the navy and learned a lot of uh, job experience in doing hydraulics within the oil fields, and he did real well. Came out and worked for Marsh. See, I don't know if that's the correct way to pronounce it, but you see on train cars and trucks, M A E R S, 
CK, I think, Merck's or something like that. It's Marks, yeah. I know, I know those yes. guys. <laughs> yes, I knew you would. I knew you would. You all have seen those names. And uh, and his wife, um, we have talked about this. Women women are more flexible and and, and, and learning. And, and he told her, he said, from the beginning, when they got married 15, 20 years ago, he said, become a nurse. He said, they're in demand. They'll always be in demand. And she did. So... Then recently, she said, he said, uh, while he was working for Merrick, she says, why don't you become a PA, physician's assistant? You want to better yourself? And she says, yes, I do. And she says, I would love it if you stay home if I become a PA. Well, she graduated last year, and she's become a PA, a physician's assistant. And she's very happy with him being the house mom, keeping the house clean, taking their kids. The kids, one of them just started college, and the other one's, um, I want to say, a sixth grade so, so yes, folks, you can't hold an ironclad uh, view of how things should be in today's world, right? You, you've got to be flexible, and you've got to be open. Uh, the Lord was flexible. He, he showed us in many ways, uh, especially the women at, woman at the well, whenever people should have been, I guess, stoned to death for their sin— uh, the woman at the well who had five husbands and now was living with a guy, Jesus didn't criticize her at all, right? He looked at the situation. He said, you know what? Stop what you're doing and serve me and, and do what is right. And then uh, Mary Magdalene, they brought to her to him, and, and she was thrown down in front of him and says, we've caught her in adultery. Uh, the right thing to do is, is stone her, right? And, and Jesus looked at him again and he didn't even answer him. He said, let the person who is without sin cast the first stone. We've got to be open to God's flexible view. The, the music, I was against. I was against, <laughs> let me tell you, folks, Whenever I, after I became a Christian, I was against changing the music from the hymns to the, uh, the modern music. And guess what? Uh, that was 40 years ago, and, and, and I learned that you can worship the oh, Lord you know those, with those, modern those, music. Modern music was 40 years old for you. They're old now. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm not stuck on hymns, and I'm open to any change that, that if anybody believes the Lord is in it, I'm open to you leading me and guiding me and showing me in Scripture, and we doing it, folks. Bill? Excellent. Uh, Takeaway from you, Mr. Steve. Well, yes, as, as Mike's saying, it's not... Being a member of a church isn't passive. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about the idea of getting involved in church, and I know there are listeners who are, are probably gifted in management and organization and advocacy. And really, one thing I know, I don't think God wants you to come and sit in the pew and just let everything passively go by. Uh, there is a role in the church, and there's a younger generation coming, and the one, the one thing I, I think uh, I should be doing is making sure we can encourage, motivate, deepen the faith of that younger generation to come into this church uh, and lead it in ways that I, I may not be able to think of or imagine, but nonetheless, again, we, we go back to the scripture we started with. We've got one job. <laughs> Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will. And that's that last line. Jesus says, "I will be with you in this 
endeavor. And so uh, surrender yourself to the spirit and participate and lead and lead prayerfully and, and thoughtfully. The, ch your, your, the church needs leaders. It needs leaders of all ages. It does not necessarily have to be the oldest or wrinklest guy in the room. Our church should reflect. We didn't, we didn't talk about demographics. Maybe that'll be a subject for another day. The church should, should reflect how our, our society looks. We should be an example to our culture. We should show that all members of our culture are, are welcome in, this, in our church. Uh, and really, that, that, there could be a calling for, for any one of our listeners to be part of that effort. Excellent. Uh, and with that, to get a wrap-up from uh, you, Professor. Yeah, it, it, it really is, as Steve said. It's keep the main thing the main thing. You know, you had one job. <laughs> you know, preach Christ to the world and then be salt and light. And conf don't conform to the world, but transform the world in your mind. That's really what we're called to do. The scriptures we read last week. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, and Romans 12, 2. That is what this is all about. Excellent. And uh, we're going to be starting a new study next week, putting the flamethrower away. And this is just going to be, <coughs> going to be taking a mall and breaking rocks. So uh, uh, let's uh, make it a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. There's a lot of managed venues. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is man stuff. And uh, so, Professor, go ahead and give us yeah. a rough overview. So this. we're going to look at the, for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the first eight chapters of the book of Judges. So just to kind of, and the series is called The Conquerors, Heroes of the Faith. And somebody threw out this past week in the youth, and I really like it, and I'll use it next week <laughs> with it as far as what they are. I was like, oh, that's good. I'm stealing it. Um, but they were called by God to judge and really lead the people of Israel. And just to kind of give you a historical context, it's after the Exodus and before Saul. And so one way this is going to be interesting for us is we have talked ad nauseum about David <laughs> and a little bit about Saul, but to understand why Saul became who he was and why Saul became important and hence David, Solomon, all the way through to what we consider the kingdom, you have to understand what was going on between the Exodus and Saul. And that is the period of the judges. And so they kind of set up an era that we have actually spent a lot of time talking about. And you can see how there is a definitive train that goes from the judges through Saul and David and Solomon, and then what happens with the kingdom. Excellent, and that's coming up, and we're starting at it next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, and once again, thanks so much for all of our sponsors and supporters. So on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, uh, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, I'm Bill Cox, and we are on this No Church Answers Tour, so check out our new YouTube channel. Additionally, we are on Facebook, a SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Pray.com. So 
If you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. And if you are unable to attend church, check out the Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sunday at 945, and when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School, that you can join in for discussions like this and find one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.